Friends, this might be a bit of a long one today, and it might be uncomfortable to hear in spots, and I ask you to stay with me to the end. It'll be worth it. This is the fortress at the highest point of the city of Deva in in what is now Romania, in the Transylvania region where the Hungarian-speaking Unitarians still reside. The fortress at Deva is the last home and the resting place of Francis David, the pioneer of Unitarian thought in the Transylvanian kingdom in the 16th century. He was placed there by the new Catholic king of Transylvania, who had declared that while the edict of religious tolerance could still stay in place in the kingdom, no one could make any more changes to the doctrines or the tenets of their faith. They must stay static. But Francis David could not do that. His faith was rooted in an ongoing conversation with the Spirit, learning new things as he explored his relationship with it. And so in 1572, Francis David was thrown into prison in the pits of the fortress of Deva. His crime was religious innovation. He would spend seven years there, and that would be where he died. About a year and a half ago, I and some of our members had the privilege of sitting atop the hill next to the fortress at Deva, And we had a small moment, a small moment of worship to mark the death of our forefather, Francis David. Our host, the minister of the Unitarian Church in Deva, shared with us some of Francis David's last words as he sat in prison. Neither the school of popes, nor the cross, nor the image of death Nothing will halt the march of truth. I wrote what I feel, and that is what I preach with trusting spirit. I am convinced that after my destruction, the teachings of false prophets will collapse. This innovation this innovation that cost Francis David his life, that is one of the roots of what we call now our living tradition. It is not just the title on our hymn book. It is a tenet of our faith that we are always growing, always changing as we grow in understanding of the world around us and our relationship to all that is. And we are participants in this ongoing living tradition. If it is by the via positiva, we are participating actively in those moments of religious innovation. We are keeping ourselves awake to new understandings of how and where the spirit flows within us and around us. We are always examining the relationship of our own selves to the depth of all that is. And if we are participating in the living tradition by the via negativa, it means 
we are living into the tensions of our faith. That growing pains will arise from time to time due to the times, due to the moment we are in. We live in to the tension between the aspiration of who we want to be and the imperfection of who we are simply by being human when confronted by the challenges of the moment. Now, last week I talked about the gifts of our theological inheritance that come from the tensions of the big, deep love we are engaged in, the historical tensions that give us the gifts of the great heart love, that in the tension between inclusion and exclusion in religion, we are striving toward that deep and boundless love and not limiting ourselves to a narrowly defined small you, us. That in the tension between faith as a tool of empire and faith as a tool of liberation, we strive toward that sense of liberation, breaking up the status quo wherever it causes oppression and harm, despite any discomfort it might bring to our own selves. That in the tension between being a savior religion or a servant religion, we strive towards that service, a service that shows up for and is accountable to those who are suffering injustice and oppression. These are the big love gifts of our faith. Not all, but the ones I want to stress. And I use the word strive on purpose because this aspiration, this tension we are leaning towards, it is still a work in progress, all of this big love. It is always a case of one step forward and two steps back. We stumble as often as we succeed because we are human. And because we are human and because we stumble, there are shadow sides to the gifts of love that we strive towards. There are tensions even within our theological inheritance. Even as we strive toward this boundless love, we fall into the trap of the small you, us, because we are so finite. We engage in all sorts of gatekeeping to make the community seem manageable. We talk about gathering with like-minded people. We talk about who our people are, who is like us, or worse still, we meet people at the door and say, oh, you believe that? Oh, this isn't your church. The church next door, that's for you. And at our worst, we move away from the small you, us, to the I. A first principle, first Unitarian Universalism. I mentioned this several weeks back a hyper-individualistic religion of me, my worth, my truth, without any regard of much at all to the us we are striving towards. It is a faith in our own egos that is so dismissive of any sense of interdependence that it borders on what I would call the sinful. 
Even as we strive towards smashing the status quo wherever it causes oppression, we fall into the trap time to time of loving our own sense of uniqueness too much, of seeing ourselves too much as the outsiders, and fail to recognize our place in the status quo we are trying to break down fail to see how we benefit from its continuation and the comfort that it brings us. And we continue to claim that outside status when we're deeply ingrained inside. And when we are challenged in our comfort there, sometimes we react poorly. Even as we strive towards an accountable service to others, we fall into the trap of complacency. We rest on our laurels. We march in Selma. The Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act are passed, and we declare, job well done, and we disappear for the next chapter of the work. That is a part of our history, too, a part of our inheritance. We worked for civil rights for the country, but for the own, our own black members in Unitarian Universalism, we could not develop the wherewithal to find equity in resources and power in our own internal structures. We are still living with that today. At the worst, we fall into a laurel-resting triumphalism in our history. We point to the good work of the past and claim victory and self-righteousness as our inheritance and ignore all of those failings in and around that history. We coast on the fumes of past successes and pat ourselves on the back. So the question I put forward this morning is, who are we as a people of becoming? Who are we becoming as a people? How is it going? And the answer is nationwide. As a whole faith, we are struggling right now. We are living deeply in those tensions I am describing, those historical tensions we are feeling rather sharp growing pains. Because parallel to the racial unrest and racial reckoning that we are just barely starting to engage in as a nation, there is a reckoning going on in our own faith movement as well. The Unitarian Universalist Association has had to take a deep, hard look at itself, how our system's unconscious biases and our own history rooted in the white supremacy culture of the United States, how that has informed our own policies and decision-making processes and the allocation of our admittedly very finite resources. And this reckoning came to a head in 2017, just a few short years ago, with a hiring controversy that blew up nationwide. It was a hiring at a regional level, but it blew up 
all across the continent and up into the upper echelons of the Unitarian Universalist Association, leading to several resignations at the top level, including the president of the association at that time. And the response to the controversy was the creation of a study group for the association, what was called, or is still called now, the Commission on Institutional Change. The commission was formed in 2017 and charged with conducting an audit of the power structures and analyzing systemic racism and white supremacy culture within the Unitarian Universalist Association. The work it engaged in centered on gathering the stories of those living on the margins in our own faith, those who had marginalized identities, so that their voices might lead us to discover new best practices and recommendations for positive change that would lead to more equity and more justice in our movement. Now this going out to seek the stories on the margin is a practice that was already ongoing in several bodies within Unitarian Universalism. It was not a new idea at all. In my own time on the Commission on Appraisal for the Unitarian Universalist Association, we engaged in what we called centering the margins, making sure that the voices that might usually be missed or ignored were intentionally sought out and placed into the mix so that they might have some equal weight in the conversation. In the spirit of that centering, the final report which came out at the last General Assembly of the Commission on Institutional Change was titled, Widening the Circle of Concern. In the report, the commission tells a story that we have heard time and again in her leadership circles, at least, that we're all too familiar with, but needs to be told again, that some of that very shadow side theology we engage in, that gatekeeping, that sense of who our people are, and frequently our people are white and middle class and well-educated, that sense of resting on our laurels often causes people of color and other people with marginalized identities to question their place in our faith, question whether or not there is room for them at all. It has led to deep struggles for people of color who have entered our ministry and tried to minister to congregations, created conflict that some people don't understand why it is happening, when it is happening. It has driven many people who should be part of the big us away from us. And the report finishes with a very comprehensive list of recommendations and corresponding actions aimed at improving equitable access to resources and power to affect policy in the association so that people of color and people of marginalized identities have better access to those resources and to some sense of power in the association. And it seeks to set up relationships of accountability with other community organizations already doing the work of anti-racism and anti-oppression and following their lead. And setting up means of accountability among Unitarian Universalists ourselves, especially those of us who occupy positions of leadership. 
when we speak words or commit actions that might contribute to an ongoing hostile environment to people of marginalized identities or outright cause harm to those communities. Access and accountability ultimately was what is being asked for here. And some of the changes that are being recommended are big changes to how we govern ourselves to make it more accessible and equitable. And other recommendations are simply lifting up things that are already being done in our communities and in the association, lifting up the best practices that already exist so that we can set them up for better support and move them to the center as ideals to follow. And all of it, all of it is rooted in our theology. It is a call back to our theological inheritance, a commitment to moving towards that wider sense of us, a commitment to continuing to break the status quo wherever it causes oppression and injustice, a commitment to returning to accountable service. This is a new iteration of the truth contained and always growing in our living tradition. And here is where the struggle begins. Because there are those of us in Unitarian Universalism who hold a lot of privilege, whether we acknowledge it or not. And for people accustomed to privilege when they see others gaining access to resources and power, that can often feel like oppression. And to a people accustomed to privilege, the call for accountability can sometimes feel like being canceled. There has been significant pushback to the move towards better racial and marginalized equity in our movement. It is pushback that comes from laity and from clergy alike. It is a small but loud cohort of people. It is predominantly but not limited to cisgendered, heterosexual white men. It takes the form of self-published books and long Facebook screeds about how the Unitarian Universalist Association has abandoned, abandoned its principles in quest of this equity and this justice, how we have somehow descended into some weird form of liberal fascism. And the people who push back claim that their arguments are valid because they and they alone are using true scholarship and logic and reason to make their arguments. Well, a good read of what they are putting out there will show that they're only casually flirting with any of these concepts. And it takes the form of laundry lists of arguments that come very recognizably to me from the shadow side of our theology. An insistence upon individual freedom as being prime, especially the freedom to speak any and every beautiful brain nugget that we form, no matter how odious or ill-formed or ill-considered that it might be. 
an argument that listening to others' lived experience is near anecdotal evidence or worse, emotional manipulation, and we should not give that the weight of any peer-reviewed journal-published study. That we cannot, cannot possibly be suffering from systemic racism or be engaged in white supremacy culture in our movement because look at that great thing we did 60 years ago. That quite simply in our striving to grow more fully into the faith that we aspire to be, we are committing the crime of innovation and that the punishment should fit the crime. And all this does is simply reinforces the notion among Unitarian Universalists of marginalized identities that our inclusion talk is just simply that. It is talk. And that perhaps they weren't meant to be a part of that deeper love we aspire to. And when we try to call those who speak harm into accountability, to call them back into right relationship with the bigger us, they pick up their balls and go home. Claim they have been excommunicated. Proudly declare that they are used to be UUs. And tell us they have been branded as heretics. As if anyone could ever be a heretic the status quo. And when their brand of reason does not work, these buzzing gadflies, these gnats, they turn to buzzing in our ears, bullying and harassing and outright lying in public about any and all who dare to disagree with them. I have witnessed over the last two years too many of my fellow Unitarian Universalists, people of color and their white allies, clergy and lay leaders alike, hounded out of the faith that they chose, or at least to the brink of leaving, left to wonder if the suffering they are experiencing is worth the staying. And all because of a pestilence that has arisen out of the shadows of our better angels. It is nothing less than sinful. That is a shallow faith. That is a faith rooted in that unearned triumphalism, rooted in a false sense of self being outsider, rooted in me over us. And its adherents are speaking out of nothing more than fear. A fear akin to the slave profiteering elite sitting in the congregation of Willie Mallory Channing's church so many years ago, a fear that their power and their influence will disappear if the status quo is changed. But it has to change. It has to. 
Nothing is static. The ground shifts. No popes, no cross, no gnats can stop the march of truth. And the truth of the moment is that bridging our racial divides, rebuilding true equity and inclusion into our systems, both as a faith movement and as a country, reclaiming and recentering the voices we have lost sight of or outright ignored, that is the great work of our faith in this moment. Not the only work. Not the last great work, but the defining work of now. Something has to shift. Something has to innovate. How's it going? I ask. We are living deeply in the tensions of our theology. We are feeling sharp, sharp growing pains, and they are playing out in awful ways for some of us. But I want to assure you that despite all of my anger, and I am angry, despite the anger of the moment, I am still, still deeply hopeful. For although the gnats be loud, they be tiny. And it seems there are more and more of us living in Unitarian Universalism who are feeling ready to meet the work of the moment rather than rage against it. There are more and more who are wondering, what is all the fuss about? And then they pick up the report of the Commission on Institutional Change, and they read it, and they say, yeah, that makes sense. What's the big deal? Let's do this. There are more and more of us ready to lean into the tensions of the time. Tip the needle back toward that big, inclusive love that is our inheritance. More and more of us ready to commit the crime of innovation over and over again. How's it going? We are in flux and it is painful and we will be better for it. May it be so.